everybody, and welcome to Real Relationship Talk. I am your host, Dana Shea, and I am delighted and honored that you are joining the podcast today. In today's episode, I had the opportunity and the honor, really, to have a conversation with a new friend named Eric Carroll. And Eric is an advocate for parents, specifically fathers. He is a podcaster and host of his own show called Dad Talk Today. And you guys, can we just be honest for a second? You know, as a mom, especially as a married mom, fatherlessness is not something that I give a ton of thought to, but I think that it is a conversation that is so overdue and that is so needed, especially in our generation right now. The interesting thing is I actually grew up without a dad. My biological dad and my mom, they divorced when I was about two years old. And so I don't have a lot of memories, really any, of my biological father. And then I had a stepfather that was kind of in and out, and that was not a great situation. And so my conversation with Eric today really just reminded me of the importance of championing and really encouraging those fathers that are in the home and also really being aware that there are some fathers that we have labeled as, quote, deadbeats that might not be. There are some fathers that are being denied the right to be with their children. And it's something that is very painful for them. It's something that is beyond their control. And it's an area that Eric especially is very passionate about. So we talk a little bit about his story. He is someone who is being plagued by what he calls parental alienation. And we talk about what parental alienation is and more specifically, how can we as a community stand alongside fathers who are just trying to be good dads, who are just trying to be in the lives of their kids. I know for me personally, I grew up always feeling this hole because I didn't have my dad. And so I think if there are are men who are willing to be in their kids' lives, and if there are men who are trying to do the right thing, then we need to stand alongside these men and we need to help them and the women who are not allowing that to happen. There's always three sides to every story, right? There's one person's side, the other person's side, and then the truth in there. And so we're not called to judge. We're not called to be the, the, the jury to find out who's right and who's wrong. I really believe that we're there as a community, as friends, as family members, to help make sure that the children are being raised in healthy environments that can be conducive and healthy for all. So I'm really excited to bring to you all this conversation with my guest, Eric Carroll. Eric, I, um, I'm appreciative of you. I'm appreciative of what you are standing for and how you are educating um, not only your community, but my community, everyone um, who will listen to this podcast. And I think that what we're going to discuss today is this issue around fatherlessness and what that really is and what that looks like and the effects really that it has on the children and on dads who have been um, unfairly labeled as deadbeats. So as I was saying you know, before we started, Eric, as a married mom, I think that this is an issue that is not on the forefront of my mind because I just don't, you know, I have my my husband's here. He takes care of the kids and all of that. But I know that we have um, people in my community who are mothers who maybe they have labeled their 
exes one way, or maybe there's dads um, who are listening, who are struggling to spend time with their kids. So I just really wanted to kind of start from the beginning with you. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit about your story. Obviously, you had been married, and then things kind of went south. Um, How long were you married? I was married um, close to 15 years. Um, Okay. Got in a relationship out of that divorce. I actually got custody of my two older daughters. And I was a single dad doing the, you know, working 60 hours a week and balancing, taking care of them at home. And I jumped straight into a relationship, Dana, out of that before healing. And uh, I didn't see a lot of the things that was going on. I had a child with this woman. We was only together for about nine months. And uh, I started going through what's called parental alienation. Mm. Um, I've been, I've been a victim of domestic violence. I know what it's like to have it. Sometimes I think they're, they're eliciting a response. Um, You know, I don't talk about my story too, too much, but me and the mom broke up when she was six months pregnant. It got to a point. It's like, if I don't get out of here, I'm afraid something's going to happen. But, on the other side, I still sent in money. I wanted to be a dad. Just the relationship couldn't go on anymore. I wanted to do everything I could do. Well, they wasn't having that. Um, once the baby was born, I'd have to go sit up under her for like an hour or two to be able to see my child. The unfortunate part about this being a single father, um, no one, I, you know, I'll go to a lawyer. I paid one $400 to consult with him for an hour, and I had to save up for a while for that. For him to tell me, my best advice is for you to get back with her. It's like, mm, Dude, wow. that's, that's not going to happen. I go to another lawyer and he was like, you've got the greatest case I've ever heard. I need $10,000 on retainer. I'm like, I don't have $10,000. So as a father, you know, trying to get rights to your child, sometimes it feels almost hopeless. It's like, mm. I, I don't have the money to fight the system. And then here comes your deadbeat. A guy that's actually trying, you know, the, the sad part, Dana, is there's lots of deadbeats out there. There's there's ones that don't want anything to do with their kids and they run from responsibility. But I don't hear from them often. And they're not the ones you're going to see here in these groups. Sure. The ones you're yeah. seeing here are the ones that are really trying. And it seems like the more they try, the more obstacles they come up. You know, I say they got that all you got to do, all you got to do is pay child support. All you got to do is get a paternity test. All you got to do is take them to court. All you got to do is get a lawyer. It's like, look, all you got to do is, is be parents. You came together and made a child. You can come together and parent a child. And I believe once it gets in those family law courts, um, it's about who's got the most mud and slinging back and forth. And it teaches these uh, parents to be competition. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? And that's where you lose any sense of co-parenting. And that's, that's basically where my, my story has came and where I'm sitting I at this you. moment. So you use the term that might be unfamiliar to many. It's parental alienation. Can you just define what that is for us? Absolutely. So parental alienation is where one parent brainwashes another, a child to not want a relationship with the other. People might not understand how easy that is to do. Let's take it back. How easy was it for you to get your kids to believe in Santa Claus? Okay, here's a mythical figure, but because you were mom, because you were dad, and you told them that this was real, they love you, they believe in anything you say, they're going to believe in this mythical creature that comes down a chimney and puts presents under the tree. Well, when they've got one parent that they're seeing and one parent that they're not seeing, and that parent's constantly telling, oh, your dad didn't want you, he just left us, he did this, he did this, he did this, that child starts to resent that other parent. That child feels like if I love my dad or if I love my mom, because moms get alienated too. It's like, if I love that parent, 
um, I'm turning my back on the custodial parent and I don't want to do that. You've got three different forms. You got mild, moderate, and severe. Some of them, it works to a little extent, but in the severe part, these kids believe everything that this alienator, as we refer to them as, has done and uh, don't want anything to do with that parent whatsoever. And it's hard, I can imagine, for the non-custodial parent to overcome that just simply because of time. You know, if the custodial parent is spending 16 hours a day, you know, or four or five days a week with the child, even if you're an awesome, amazing parent, just the sheer, just the sheer fact that you don't have enough time with that child, I'm sure that it's probably difficult to overcome. So I know, Eric, that you don't really talk a lot about your story personally, which I I really appreciate that. Um, Not that we don't want to hear it, but because I think you really focus on what the issues are. Um, And I know that you're doing a lot of work with legislation. Um, But I'm interested to know in your specific case, how is the relationship right now with your children? She turns three next month. I haven't seen her in two years. Wow. I've tried to do everything out of court and say, Hey, let's do this. And it's, it goes nowhere. Now, early on before I knew what parental alienation was, uh, there's another term gaslighting. That's where they, they will throw different lies and things just to elicit a response. And then once you get mad, it's like, see, I told you that's how he acted. Early on, that really, um, I didn't know what it was, and I played into it. And then I started getting to the point. I said, look, if it doesn't have anything to do with my child, I'm not talking to you about it. Tell me when I can see my child, when, and outside of that, our relationship that was a year or two years ago, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. And that never could happen. It always went back to this. It was always gaslighting, lies trying to get me off topic. And it got to a point, Dana, and was like, I realized until I can take this thing to court, there's not much I can do. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that there's definitely a, a change that needs to happen in the yeah. family courts. As far as child support is concerned, you know, I have a friend of mine who was who was fighting for custody um, of his child and was still required to pay child support, even though he could not physically see the child. So can you tell us a little bit about what are some of the gaps or some of the holes, um, some of the problems that you see that exists in the family courts and what specifically are you doing maybe to try to overcome that? So this is, this comes to a part that many people don't know about. And that's the reason I'm I'm reaching out everywhere we can to to get this out. I am no expert on the subject, but I know enough about it. Uh, There was something that was known as title four D of the social security act. And you guys can look that up. Um, the federal government actually reimburses the States from what I've read up and researched two thirds out of every dollar paid in child support. So for every dollar I pay in child support, federal government's sending back the state of Georgia, like at around 66 cents and saying, here you go, because more divorces, divorce started going on the, the rise and so much was get. we replaced fathers with government assistance is what happened. Mm. And the states was paying out so much government assistance. They were saying, hey, we don't have the money. So the federal government said, you know what? We're going to start come, you know, helping you with some of that slack and giving back. And originally it was meant to be a good thing. What happened? Where there's money, there is mass corruptions. To quote one of my friends, they found out we can make money on this. So you find some of these guys, I've got one guy in here in the state of Georgia, he makes $225,000 a year. 
every paycheck after child support and alimony, he's bringing home $25 a week. And you say to yourself, how can you do this? We've had pediatricians on the show, doctors that ended up going to jail. I think he was paying $18,000 a month in child support and alimony. He ended up going to jail because he couldn't afford it. And you say, why is this going on? All right, so one of the one of the more popular things now is people are getting shared parenting time. Both parents are getting 50-50 custody, but they're still making a parent pay child support. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep the money rolling. It's all about money. Yeah, I've seen that firsthand. And, you know, I think that we can all agree that children need to be provided for. Children need to be taken care of. You know, it's kind of like you made your bed. You need to lie in it. We get all that. But what I don't appreciate is the the corruption in the system. Um, and also, you know, I, I have a, a very personal, uh, very close situation where um, a family member was paying an astronomical amount of child support and, again, was fighting with the mother tooth and nail And I know as a mom, and I think that, you know, my listeners will be able to appreciate this. If you're a mom, you want your child to be with their father, whether you're still with him or not, because mothers are amazing. We can do a lot of things. God has gifted us in many ways, but mothers are not fathers. I am not one who wishes mothers a happy Father's Day. That, that is just something that I think is, is ridiculous, to be perfectly honest. Mothers have our day. We have Mother's Day. And they are mothers who are holding it down, you know, by themselves. And they don't have any support because, as you said before, there are some true deadbeats out there who are not really doing anything. But I think that for the dads who are trying, for the dads who actually want to be in their children's life, I personally don't understand why, as a mother, you would fight against that, why you would not want your child to experience another side that you cannot provide to them. So it's, it's a topic that we talk about a lot in this community. It's like for that deadbeat, most of the time, the mama's not going after them. They're not asking for child support or nothing. They would love for their child to be in their dad's life, but he just took off. So he's just sitting there for most of these moms, the ones that we're talking about that are, they're going against dad. Once you get into this system, the, I, I, I recommend everybody go watch the marriage story on Netflix. It is the perfect example of what we're going through. You have two parents that are willing to co-parent that are going through a breakup. They were on the outs when it came to their relationship, but they were, they were still friends and they were doing everything they could for the kid. Mom goes to the family law attorney and she's like, look, I just want to get a divorce. I don't want to take him away from his kid. And he's like, she's like, no, no, no. You know, you can get the majority of the time, you know, you can get half of his retirement. You can get half of this. You can get half of this. And she's like, well, I really don't want to do that. And it's like, you need to, because you can't come back and do it later. And they start getting in these, these clients heads. So again, once it comes to family court, they encourage each other to sling mud. And every time a parent wins in family court, the child loses. They do. And these, there's so many of these dads that are trying, but I believe the family court has just came against them. And it's, and it's sad. Because we've seen the statistics of what's going on with fatherlessness. Mm-hmm. And we need to get our dads back in their children's lives. Absolutely. I don't remember how long it was. Uh, probably pushing on 10 years now, Oprah did a segment called Daddyless Daughters. And I remember sitting there watching that show and just crying because that's my story. You know, I didn't grow up with uh, my biological father. Um, my parents were divorced when I was about two. I don't have really any memories of my biological father. And then I had a stepfather who was kind of in and out, in and out. And, you know, we were not his biological children. So I don't believe there was any child support or any of that involved. But I know the whole 
that it can leave in a child, especially a daughter, because daughters need dads, sons need dads too. But there is an identity, I believe, that the father helps to establish in the life of the child. And this is why I think mothers really need to understand that, again, there are things that we do great. We're nurturers, we're comforters, we, you know, protect our kids, we go to bat for our kids. Mothers are amazing, but there are certain things that I know me personally, I did not get simply because I didn't have a father. And so my hope, my goal is for a mom who might be listening to this, who is struggling right now with maybe some vindictiveness or uh, maybe even some fear. You know, there are definitely uh, legitimate times, I feel like, where a man might not be the best um, in the best situation to care for his child for a season. Right. But I hope that there are some women who are hearing this who would rethink the pettiness, keeping a father outside of the home. Because I think as we can both agree, really the only person that ends up hurting, or I shouldn't say the only, but the the person that ends up hurting the most is the child. Absolutely. And, and you know, most of these moms will, Dana, it's, it's really in the approach. I can't tell you how many couples I've talked to in just the past couple of weeks, they, they come to me and they're like, hey, they're like, I cannot get through with her she's not listening to me. Uh, We can't do this. And I'm getting on both sides. And I'm like, sorry, let's take the approach here. You know, let's talk to him. Say, hey, look, we we came together. You know, we we made this child. I know we haven't been getting along. Let's let's face it. Most divorces happen because of what? Miscommunication. It's like, it's all in how you communicate with them. Tell them, say, why don't we, for the sake of our child, go sit down. You know what? We can get a mediator. I'll let you pick the mediator. And you see what you're doing there? You're giving them a little bit of control to show them you're vulnerable to listen to them. And hopefully you're asking for that back. You say, I'll let you pick the mediator. You can pick the spot. Let's come together and let's end this. And let's just be parents with her, you know, to our children. And you'd be surprised how many times that actually works. Nine times out of 10, that one little conversation works, but they haven't been told to work it that way. And that's taking it out of family court. It's getting in, in private setting. I just got... um 50-50 custody of my daughter. Um, it didn't go to court. Me and mom sat there and did that in Burger King. That's you great. Know? Yeah. And she didn't fight me on it. We actually worked together on it. And my daughter's happy. She saw mom and dad working with each other instead of working against each other. And I believe that's healthy for the child too. Fatherlessness is a big issue, but seeing parents that are quarreling with each other, sure. let your child know that they're a they're okay to love mom and dad and that, you know what, if I do something I'm not supposed to do, it's not just going to be mom or dad getting onto me. They're both going to come at me because they work together. And that's what's overall the healthiest for the child. Sure. And I think that, you know, as parents, that's what we have to keep at the forefront is that we are modeling how to love really for our children. And this is a conversation, even for married people, I think that there are many times I was having a conversation with my sister yesterday and my husband and I had had an argument and my daughter who's 18 was in the, in the room with us. And I said to my sister, I said, you know, I think this is probably the first time that she's heard us argue. And that's not because we don't argue. (laughs) That's because we've made a commitment 
how to honor each other in front of our kids. And we've made a commitment that we never want our kids to have to choose a side and to have to hear yeah. things about dad or have to hear things about mom that now they're having to decipher and, and try to figure out. And so we had to apologize to her and say, you know what? We had an argument in front of you. Of course, kids need to see conflict. I believe that. I believe that kids need to see conflict resolved, especially, but yeah. they need to also be able to not have to be in a position where they're taking sides because they love both. And, and, and it should never be a matter of who's the better parent or who's doing more for the child. I think mature people should be able to come to an understanding that there are things that you bring as a dad that I don't as a mom. There are things that I bring as a mom that you don't as a dad. And so if we can work together, then we can actually raise good, responsible, healthy kids. So I want to ask you real quick, Eric, I want to know, how do you advise a father who might be in a situation of parental alienation and he's been going to court and there's really been no movement. How do you advise him? What should he do? That's that's such a hard topic because we should have laws in place that protects that alienated parent, but we don't. It actually protects the person that's doing it. Document everything. Mm, If you got someone that's doing that, don't do phone calls. Make sure that you are doing communication through email, text messages, whatever. So you can go back later and say, look, I tried. If you, <laughs> I just talked to a father last night. He, uh, he's being alienated from his child, but he said, man, I've been taking care of her ever since we broke up. I've been giving them everything they want. I'm taking care of the bills. I'm getting them food. And I said, well, how did you do that? And he said, well, I was giving her cash. Oh, was, wow. Oh no. Oh no. It's like, dude, you, you don't have a record of that. The, the yeah. courts ain't even going to listen to it. And if a parent's going to the length of taking you away from your child, you think they're going to go and say, oh, he took care of us and gave us, you know, this is no, you got to put it down, write a check, mm-hmm. make sure you've got a, you know, trail for anything you've ever done, find you a good lawyer. And I, I use that term very, very, very loosely. Mm-hmm. Most of these family lawyers, they got into that for a reason. They want to make money. They will drag your case out as long as they can to make sure they've gotten every little penny they can from you. Some of them will promise you the moon and the stars right before you get in front of that judge. You'll be like, hey, we should make a settlement. You know, they're asking for things. It's not too big. You, you're, you might not get the results that you want. A lot of parents are going pro se now. I know myself. I couldn't do it because there's just so many nuances inside of the family court, but it's, it's a battle. I would say, get yourself in counseling. Yeah. Too many people underestimate the value of counseling. And I understand why some of these parents have been to counselors that the counselors have actually came back and tried to stir up drama in their case, but find you an independent counselor, go there and make sure your head's straight. You cannot go into a war without being able to think about the battle plan and how to effectively strategize. And too many people are doing that. It will leave you, Dana, in so many different places. You won't know who you are. You're guessing, you're second guessing every little thing you've done. You've been told that you're a deadbeat, that you're no good, this, this, this. And even though you know that's not true, that starts weighing on your shoulders. Well, maybe I am the deadbeat. Maybe Mm -hmm. I ain't good enough. And it takes away those little things. They chip away at the stone to make these people think you're never going to be able to do nothing about it. Mm. Go get your mind right. Make sure you're taking care of that. Document everything and realize this isn't something that you might have done next week. It's a battle and many people get exhausted. And unfortunately, we are seeing more fathers. It's at an all time high that are committing suicide. They're getting to the point. They're just like, I can't do it anymore. We hear of it all the time. 
You know, Eric, I'm so grateful that you said the counseling piece, because I think, and I'm going to make a generalization here, but I think that for men, especially counseling is difficult. It's difficult for men, a lot of them to admit, I need help. I need someone to talk to. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. It doesn't mean that there's something going on with you mentally. It just means that you need someone to talk to. You need someone that you can process with, who is hopefully unbiased who will give you some good sound advice. And so I love the fact that you encourage fathers. You know, I think about as a mother, I cannot imagine if I was not allowed to see my children. If my children had been taken away from me and I was not allowed to see them, I can only imagine the turmoil, the the depth of anguish that I would experience as a mom. And I think that sometimes we forget dads experience that same thing too. And so I love the fact that you're encouraging people, get help, seek out that outside counseling, talk to somebody about it, because it is a lot. It's a lot for one person to deal with and then still have to go to work and live your life and pretend like everything is okay when you're hurting inside and you need somebody to process that with. So I'm wondering, Eric, can you tell me, what have you learned about yourself in this whole process of alienation? So it kind of touching real briefly on what you were just saying, something came to mind that my good friend, Dr. Warren Farrell had said, men's greatest weakness is their facade of strength. Mm, We're told to man up. We're told not to speak about our feelings. And guys, if you're doing that and trying to hide all of it, you're not going to get anywhere. And that's definitely, that ties into the question that you just asked me, because I've had to learn that vulnerability in being able to speak about my problems is actually strength. Yeah. You know, I tried so long as a single father, trying to navigate myself through this system, trying to put on that fake smile and act like everything's okay. Everything's okay. It wasn't until I went and said, I'm broken, went to a counselor, said, help me. Mm. that I started actually getting better. I started healing. I wasn't carrying around that anger, that resentment, that bitterness everywhere that I went. And that that counselor helped me in so many ways. Because again, all those things that I was told, you're the deadbeat, you're no good, you abandon us, you did this. Um, You know, he he got me to understand. He's like, was you trying? He's like, yes. Was you doing those things? No. Then why are you accepting it? Mm. You know, and it helped me to take that baggage off my shoulders. It didn't just happen right away. If if you're going through this, it's again, it's, it's a battle. Surround yourself with good people. I think a lot of times people take to the Internet. Now, you mm. think people can't even get together on politics. If you find yourself inside this community, there are good people that will give you support. But be careful where you go looking for support. Broken people break other people. Yeah. You need to find somebody that's in their right mind. Don't just go to somebody and, uh, you know, start developing a friendship over your brokenness. Find some people that can uplift you, that can inspire you, that can instill that confidence in you, and that can give you direction. That's so good. That's so good. So there's a lot of noise in our world, you know, not even just with this issue, but with politics and race relations and COVID, you know, in this season, there's just so much noise right now. I want to know, would you tell us, what are you hearing in the silence? Division. We, we are seeing division like I've never seen. And that's scary because not just what we're trying to do. I believe families is at the forefront of everything that we do, Sure. you know, and it passes on down. And not you don't really hear any of that in politics. We we are so divided over the same things every single day. We've got to change this world for our kids. You know, I don't want to pass this on to them. 
it's having topics like we're having right now, Dana, that can put this world back together. Yet you get on Facebook, you're going to hear about the social distancing, the mass and the, the politics, Democrats, Republicans, the whole. We need to start having conversations that bring us together rather than the ones that push us apart. And that's that to me is the meaning of life. Let's do this for our kids. And they're just not getting enough attention out there. And I hate to say it. We as parents, we as a country, we as a world, we're playing into it and we're allowing it to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely time for us to stand up for sure and teach our kids what unification is all about. I think that I tell my kids a lot, you don't have to agree with everyone. You don't have to agree with everything that everyone says, but you always have to honor people. You just do. And I think as we're talking about families and marriage and and parenting, probably one of the greatest lessons that we can model to our kids is you can disagree with somebody. Disagree all day long. We're different people. We have different values and different opinions and all of that. But at the end of the day, you always have to honor that person. I believe everybody's made in the image of God. I believe that everybody has a right to feel how they feel, to believe how they believe. And so um, I love that, you know, we need to work on having conversations that, that bring us together. Well, Eric, my final question for you is, and I, I want to ask everybody this, I'm such a big believer in gratitude. I believe that, you know, uh, there's a scripture that says it's the joy of the Lord that's your strength. And so I personally just have a, a very, um, a very tight value of gratitude. So can you tell us what is something that you're really grateful for right now? Family's number one for me. Like I'm grateful that I got a second chance because at one point in time, I wasn't the father I should have been. Yeah. 10 years ago, I'm grateful that people allowed me to, to remake myself, you know, and I, that I did that. I'm grateful for the breath and this voice that I can use to help others. That's why I never want to waste any second that we can be out there and inspiring others. I'm grateful for people like you, what you're doing. You know, we didn't really dive into it too much. I know we was on parental alienation, which is a huge topic of mine, but relationships, we're at a 55% divorce rate right now, Dave. Yeah, yeah. 55% over half of our marriages. And it's just still steadily climbing. And many people don't even believe in marriage anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful to know I have this platform. You have this platform that where we can make a difference. And that every day, I'm grateful for every every day, every second, every breath. I really am. And uh, when you start looking at the world like that, you, uh, you you don't take things for granted as much as some of us do sometimes. I think we all fall victim to it at times. Yeah, yeah so good. Well, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? What are you working on next? All the socials, all the things. How can people connect with you? So I just started... Um, my nonprofit organization, Dad Talk Studios, LLC, I'm planning on trying to raise some funds to actually get in the fight and help some of these guys that are financially broken by the system to get them some more counseling. Um, it's one of my future projects. I don't want to get the cart before the horse. It's a lot of work. Um, but we got Dad Talk today. Uh, it started a year ago next month. We are at 150,000 followers already. We've reached 23 million in the Amazing. last three weeks. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's, it's steadily growing. Um, it's still a topic that I don't think is, you know, that popular, but we're trying to get it out there. We did two seasons of TV in Georgia back in January and February. So you can check that out. Facebook.com slash dad talk today. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We're on clout hub. We're on parlor. We're, we're iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, anywhere you can get it. 
and uh, just put it in a Google search and you should be able to find us. Awesome. I will make sure that we have those links in our show notes too. So Eric, thank you so much for what you are doing. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your tenacity. I believe that it's your resilience, your tenacity, your perseverance. It's just going to be such a blessing to so many fathers who are in the same fight. And I personally am going to pray for your case. Again, I know you don't talk about it a lot, but two years not being able to see your daughter, she's only three years old, unacceptable. And so I just, I pray strength and and just continue to fight, continue to speak up, um, continue to continue to encourage other dads not to give up even when things seem bleak. And I just believe that, you know, what you sow, it's going to come back to you. So just keep on fighting, man. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Dan. Oh, that was such a great conversation. I am so grateful to Eric and for the fight that he is leading to help these fathers to be able to obtain their rightful place in their children's lives. You know, I appreciate every time I can have a conversation with someone that makes me think deeper, someone that really strokes the embers of compassion in my own heart that allows me to get outside of myself a little bit and really think about the plight of other people, especially as we were talking about in this conversation, absent fathers. Not every father is absent because he wants to be. I think that's the biggest takeaway that I got from this conversation today. What about you? What's the biggest takeaway that you got from this conversation? Listen, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. And this is obviously a new podcast. So I would really appreciate it if you would subscribe. And if you would also give this podcast a great review, you know, for a new podcast like mine, reviews are absolutely crucial to help me to be able to continue talking and and, um, connecting with your friends and with your loved ones and other people who haven't heard about Real Relationship Talk. So go ahead and subscribe and give this podcast a great rating. I would really appreciate that. Well, like I said, all of Eric's information are in the show notes. You can find all of that over at danashay.com podcast where I will have a a little bit of a transcript and again, all of the social media links and information that you can find Eric. And I also just want to encourage you that if you have any podcast topics that you want to send my way, feel free to actually give me your suggestions again over at my website, danashay.com slash podcast. Well, as we leave, I want to just leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. You are loved. You are known. You are valued. Let's all do our part to make sure that we are building and creating whole healthy relationships of purpose. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.